Welcome to the Talks at Google podcast, where great minds meet. I'm Lauren, bringing you this episode. Talks at Google brings the world's most influential thinkers, creators, makers, and doers all to one place. Every episode is taken from a video that can be seen at youtube.com slash talks at Google. This episode is with co-founder and co-CEO of Coffee Meets Bagel, Dawoon Kang, who provides a unique lens into the world of togetherness and the lessons we are learning during these troubling times. She shares her experiences from starting a tech company as a minority female to helping pioneer the diverse, inclusive, and equitable working environment at her company and in the world of dating. Moderated by Googler Junho Lee, here is Coffee Meets Bagel with Dawoon Kang. Hello, and welcome to another Talks at Google. I'm here today with Dawoon Kang, the co-founder and co-CEO of Coffee Meets Bagel. Hi, Dawoon. Hi. Hi, it's good to see you. Um, thank you so much for joining today to share your story. Um, my name is Juno, as you know. Um, I have the honor of hosting you on behalf of my team at Google, the Online mm -hmm. Partnerships Group, and its Diversity, <laughs> Equity, and Inclusion Council. And I also have the honor to represent the Asian Google Network, uh, which is um, hosting this talk as well in celebration of Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. Uh, awesome. This year's theme, yeah, this year's <laughs> theme is breaking through together, uh, breaking through together. And I'm excited that we have you, um, who has personally broken through so many barriers yourself and can genuinely speak to that experience. So uh, to kick things off, would you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself and Coffee Meets Bagel to the people in the audience who may not be aware? and That'll be like your history, co-founders, um, notable network TV appearances, and overall claim otherwise. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I'm so glad that you invited me to share my point of view and my experience and um, really hope that it's going to be going to be helpful and thought-provoking to everyone who's joining. Um, the Asian community, the, 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 the um, of course, woman in tech, but every, everyone else um, as, as well. Uh, okay, so a little background about myself. I'm originally from Korea. I immigrated to uh, the U.S. when I was 13. Um, yeah, Korea. <laughs> With my two sisters. Uh, and um, yeah, really just went to high school and college here. And, um, you know, my, my parents, like, I come from an entrepreneurial background, um, uh, family background. Um, so my, my mom was an entrepreneur and my dad particularly actually started his business right out of college uh, with his own brother and uh, which kind of gave the three of us the inspiration to do the same. And so this is something that we actually talked about for, you know, almost since we were little, but of course um, being a good Asian, you know, child that I, <laughs> children we were, we worked hard, you know, was like really eager to get into really good college, you know, collect different degrees out there and, you know, work for a Fortune 500 company. So did that for many, many years. Um, and then about eight years ago is when we decided, hey, you know what, like, you know, we always talked about just starting a company together. If we, you know, it feels like if we don't do it now, um, maybe it's now or never. So, um, and, you know, among the three of us, we have like 10 plus years of, uh, work experience, and we really feel confident that there's something that we can create that can um, leave a you know really meaningful legacy to the world. Um, and that was when we decided to start Coffee Mix Bagel. So I started that company with my two sisters. Uh, we were um, in New York at the time, and then kind of moved out to San Francisco because it's Islamic of tech. Um, yeah, so I'll just pause here for a moment. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, can you give us more background about like how Coffee Meets Bagel is different from other dating apps um, and sort of the rise up? I know you had, a, I, I think most people would be aware that you guys were on uh, Shark Tank and, and yeah. had sort of Coffee Meets Bagel, the biggest <laughs> lighthouse moment. It, it, it was. Um, yeah, so quick background on Coffee Meets Bagel um, and, you know, how we landed on dating. So we decided that we were going to start, uh, you know, start something first. And we didn't really actually have a, you know, Eureka idea that we wanted to work on. So we started spending time just observing um, what would be a problem that would be really exciting and interesting for us to solve, um, as well as a big market and big opportunity. And the dating just kept coming up. And I think because the, the weight, the age that we were at, we were in our late 20s. And of course, all of our friends and family, including ourselves, were dating. And when we looked at the dating industry and the existing kind of players out there, what we realized is that it's, it's this interesting insight of how uh, the gender um, ratio of the dating app participants, it's very lopsided in the heterosexual community. So it's like 70% guys, 65% guys, and 35% women. And when you actually consider the activity level of men and women, uh, men are actually twice as much uh, as more active on dating apps. And so that kind of phenomena made things even more lopsided. And of course, that has consequences to the experience of the all the participants. Um, you know, guys are often frustrated because they don't hear back and women are also overwhelmed. And so we said, hey, you know, we really, I think there's an opportunity for us to be able to create quality and safe dating app that really speaks to women so that we can actually provide the best experience for both men and women. Now, you know, that was eight years ago. That's kind of how we started in the beginning. Um, our vision really has evolved as you know. I personally grew, and my team also grew. And now, um, rather than focusing on like woman per se, our vision is much more inclusive. Um, it is you know we are here like the, the world that we want to create is a, a world where everyone has access to love. You know, uh, I think it's <clears throat> love is something that everyone wants, but. Um, you know, and some of us are lucky enough to be able to stumble upon it. We, like, we don't make any effort and we can just, we just find it. But most of us, it, it just doesn't happen for us. Like, um, like kind of in a fairy to Hollywood movie, it's something that we actually have to actively cultivate and go go after. And we, you know, Coffee Meets Bagel wants to be that the partner in um, your dating journey, as far as like, you know, helping you find relevant people, as well as helping you cultivate a good dating practice um, that'll actually get you to be able to create healthy dating, um, healthy relationship. Um, and so, yeah, like Shark Tank was one of our biggest breakthrough moments, um, you know, because of our focus on long-term relationship, we've been voted many times as, you know, best dating for, for women, um, best dating for people looking for long-term relationship. Um, we are one of the top roasting app in, on dating apps on Google Play. Um, and so, you know, very happy to contribute some way to the Google community <laughs> as well. Yeah, it, it's been an incredible journey. It sounds incredible. Yeah, uh, dating is painful. Um, <laughs> I painfully empathized uh, there. Um, yes, Coffee Meets Bagel is amazing. I've used it. Uh, shout out to my manager and her husband. They used it and found each other there. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll give you their email address later for the, for the success story. But I love uh, you mentioned you mentioned a lot of things there around um, sort of breaking through that that model minority stereotype. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about being a founder of color, female founder, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, your family, as you mentioned, has gone through the experience of immigrating in, in the United States and there are a lot of benefits and challenges that come with that. Um, how would you say that experience sort of shaped your mindset as you started that business? Yeah. 
um, you know, um, yeah, like very now looking back, just so, so many interesting insights that came out of my ex- uh, experience as an immigrant. And I think it's very easy to, it, it, when you're going through it, um, it's, it, it's very easy to just focus on the challenges. And it's only when you kind of look back and having overcome a lot of those challenges, you realize, wow, that really just um, helped me grow so much and expand my perspective. And like, you just become really grateful um, for for what you for the, the the experiences that life kind of threw at you. So I, I think a couple of things um, that I want to highlight when it came to starting a business as an immigrant. Um, you know, I think when I first started, I was actually very self conscious about the fact that I was a you know Asian founder, and um, because you know my ambition was to be really able to change the. Uh, way Americans date across the country and beyond, right, beyond the world. And I, I think I was a little bit afraid of um, being the the Asian face and, you know, like the mainstream, kind of the mainstream America, not being able to relate to it. And it kind of just goes back to, you know, similar experiences that I also had in school, you know, in college. Um, I don't know, Juno, if you had a similar experience, but I was never like one of those kids who was like, um, don't really care if I'm Asian, like, um, I'm just going to, whatever, like, it doesn't really matter. But I think I was then too, like pretty self-conscious about the fact that I, oh, well, I look kind of different than the majority of the people here. How do I actually fit in? Um, well, I'm going to be really careful not to hang out just with Asian because I don't want to be, I already feel like an outsider and I don't want to be like labeled even more. Um, and so that, that was all, always kind of there. And I think it kind of constrained the way, uh, I acted right. Like I didn't have a freedom to just be whoever or what I wanted to be because it was kind of like nagging in in, in back of my mind. And and so going back to Coffee Meets Bagel, you know, I think there were, uh, you know, there were moments when I even thought about like maybe I should have a different spokesperson who is white and not Asian um, and, and who can actually can like just in terms of visually could relate to the uh, the rest of America more. Um, and so it was definitely challenges. And I think only when I actually started realizing that this is a unique um, asset uh, that like I, I started realizing that, you know, I should really be, um, it, it's a heritage that I really should be proud of, that I, I began to be able to embrace all the advantages and all the strength that comes with being part of the Asian American Asian community, right? Like, so for example, a lot of first um, customer base of Coffee Meets Bagel were Asians. Um, they they used it and you know had a great experience with it, and they're the one who really catapulted us to because they talked about it with um, their friends, right? And uh, and of course, they, we have all kinds of friends, not just Asian friends, right? So that was like the the um, really like a very important element of how our initial growth came from. My first investor actually was Korean American. Uh, a lot of my mentors were, and you know, I, I think what's great about being part of a small community is that we help each other a lot, right? And there is a network that you can really tap into, and there's nothing to be ashamed of for like being able to do that. That's like that. That's a strength that comes with being part of a community, and I think you should really take advantage of that. And I think. Um, yeah, actually, if I look back, how I actually came to kind of completely embrace that, I think you it's really easy to think through, um, because we only can experience our own individual experience, 
like all these challenges that comes with being an outsider is something that's unique to yourself. But when you actually think about it, it's a very universal human experience. Like, um, you know, somebody who's white and like visually just not an underrepresented group could feel like an outsider for many, many different reasons. I don't know, like if you come from an athletic family, but you're not athletic, well, you're going to feel like an outsider, right? And so it's a very human experience and that just doesn't come with whatever identity that you have. And I think once you realize that, you kind of are able to completely embrace it, which is what happened to me. I don't even know you ask you the questions. You already teed up perfectly in the segue <laughs> to my next question. Um, that was really great. I think um, it's great to see that it lines with the theme, breaking through together. Um, Asians helped you grow. It was the growth engine for your company, the founders itself as well. Um, I want to kind of relate that to sort of your field of expertise and the Asian mm-hmm. experience within dating. So one of the first things that you said was um, you want to build an app that's for everyone, right? And build an inclusive and equal experience. So, you know, the Asian community, as you're aware, it faces a lot of challenges um, and a lot of them take a really interesting shape when it comes to dating, um, just like um, East Asian bias, uh, fetishization mm-hmm. versus discrimination, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then other minority groups as well face similar challenges and an OKCupid study from 2014, you may have seen, it says that we don't really date outside of our ethnic communities. Um, and then there's the conversation of preference versus racial bias. Um, so all that intro being said, you know, as a leader in this space, an important space like dating, how do you take these issues into account personally and for the company and kind of build towards that future of, of inclusive, an inclusive dating app for all? Yeah. Um, I think that's such a great question and very, very important topic that does, doesn't just um, address dating um, because I think the principle of diversity and inclusion just applies in anywhere, like workplace, dating, wherever we are, our communities. Um, and so I was thinking about this a little bit yesterday on points that I wanted to share and <clears throat> kind of uh, found, uh, and of course, my point of view is based on my own life experiences, so it's not the answer. And I really hope that this is actually going to be thought provoking more than anything else so that we can continue the dis- uh, conversation. I think as a like dating app creator um, and, a, and a leader um, and somebody who wants to really aspires to change the world, like we really, if we want to bring more diversity and inclusion to anything, um, including dating, you really have to kind of start with the question of why does why why is that important? Why do why is diversity and inclusion important? Um, because if you without realizing that, at, all of us realizing that as individuals, it's just it can't happen. Like we can. We can um, make it into a rule. We can make it, we can, like, you know, I can include all kinds of, you know, options in, on, on Coffee Meets Bagel for people to be able to choose. But if people don't make the choices because they don't realize what lack of diversity is costing them in their life and in our organization, in our community, then we're just not going to make the choice, right? And so I think it's first and foremost really, really important to understand what is lack of diversity and lack of inclusion in my life and in my dating life costing me. Um, and so, for example, in dating, um, I think maybe in the, in the, like, uh, in the workplace force, like it's, uh, there's a lot of conversation around it and maybe it's a little bit more obvious Well, access to talent pool for, for sure is when it's like, there's a fierce competition for 
talent, it's very, very difficult to find somebody who, you know, has this exact skill set that you're looking for, is passionate about the, the industry, you know, very, very good culture fit. Um, well, if somebody become, uh, you know, feels marginalized and because you don't have a diverse uh, work environment and they don't want to be part of it, well, it's just going to um, hurt your ability to, like, have a top, top talent and high-performing team. So that's pretty obvious why, you know, Diversity and inclusion is really important um, and what it can potentially be costing your organization. I think in dating, same thing applies. Like you as a dater, um, assuming that your goal is to find an amazing, healthy, thriving relationship. And in the science of dating and relationship, which is, you know, most of us want, and in the science of dating and relationship, what we know, and this has been researched like throughout, like for so many um, books and uh, readings that you could do, and, and so I'm not going to get into it, but it, it is like a scientific fact. What really matters when it comes to uh, you know healthy long-term relationship is emotional security, like emotional security that you have for each other, and emotional security that you're able to create for each other. Well, why? Well, because love and love at the end of the day is there for us to be able to have that deep sense of belonging and connectedness. Um, that, that's what love is, and we all kind of need that. That is a fundamental human need and our partnership with our romantic uh, partners are is able to provide them not just that like of course all relationships can do that and uh, romantic relationship is part of it so it's here to provide you with emotional security and so it's very important that you actually are able to find somebody who is emotionally accessible responsive and engaged with you and you are be able you're able to do that vice versa um, and once you feel safe, of course, then you can go out and do, you know, explore bar- various different aspects of uh, yourself and the other person, like the playfulness comes up, you know, adventurousness comes up, like you you feel really completely safe to be naughty. Like that's where, that's the foundation of like you being able to act freely, um, which is very important in a romantic relationship. Well, so then um, factually and scientifically speaking, your probability of being able to create that healthy relationship with someone really has nothing to do with a lot of factors like height, college they went to 10 years ago, your current income, their current income, their body type, all, all these factors that we often use to filter out um, a potential partner really has nothing to do with whether or not this person is going to be emotionally, you know, um, somebody who's going to be compatible with you long term and who has a probability of being able to create healthy and thriving relationship. So using the same analogy as a talent pool, if you as a dater actually choose to um, exclude certain, you know, very wide segment of population out there based on certain facts that really don't matter in, you know, ultimately being able to get that healthy relationship, well, you basically have a lot less to work with. And so um, now your ability to filter for things that really do matter um, is a lot less. It's significantly undermined because you're you're starting with such a smaller pool. Like if you have a thousand people, of course you can be you can curate more. But if you're starting with ten people, like there isn't really something that you can curate on because the the starting off point is so small to begin with. And so I, I think it, this is something that's really important for all of us to understand. Um, you know, it's not love is some. It's a very personal choice, and nobody can force force you, right? Like, no, there we can't have a rule. Like, you need to actually be open to dating everyone. Like, we can't do that, and so it really has to come from you. And I think it's very important for all of us to realize what when we actually try to exclude too much, what that could potentially be costing us. Mm. 
This is remarkably similar, remarkably similar to what Google has produced when it comes to um, you know workplace high performing teams. You know, stop. It's a two pronged system, right? You set up a, uh, you create the awareness um, with data that says you know psychological safety is the number one most important thing for a high performing team. It's you know mm-hmm. all that stuff aside, but mm-hmm. then also creating a platform to kind of empower these underrepresented groups, right? So I guess. Part two is what I'm curious about. Um, what has Coffee Meets Bagel done or you've done or as people in the dating industry have done to kind of after you get the information out there that psychological safety is most important, how do you get people to be more open to kind of meeting people from different backgrounds or, or create a forum for that? Right. Yeah. You know, I think at the end of the day, my personal belief is that um, like a true inclusion, like our ability to not be biased towards certain groups um, or biased against certain groups really can only happen um, through repeated exposure. And so diversity really is the prerequisite to inclusion. Um, Well, why? Because as human beings, we're like masterful at, um, it's all about our own survival, right? Like, you know, millions of years, we, we we became hardwired and biologically focused on being able to detect any kind of potential threat uh, that could, uh, you know, compromise our survival. And so anything that th- feels unfamiliar and anything that feels like whatever is, is a potential threat. And anything that doesn't feel like me, my group um, could be a potential threat. So like, we just cannot even help it. Like our amygdala just lights up and it's just like a, you know, 0.0001 second reaction. And so for us to actually not have that, which is again, totally out of our control, it's, a, it's only through repeated exposure that we realized, oh, actually, they look different, but they, um, they're, they're basically me. We're the same. They're not a threat. And I think only repeated exposure can, can bring that, which is why um, sometimes, like, even if it's artificially created, like, that, creating that in safety where diversity is there is important. So, um, you know, we talk about a workplace, like, okay, making sure that when we interview, we interview minimum numbers of, like, people in X, X group because they're very difficult to get. And if you don't actually make that effort, you're not going to be exposed to that kind of candidates to begin with. And so, and, and so of course, whatever bias that you may have for that group doesn't change because you're just not exposed to that um, group of people. And so I think the same goes for dating. I think you have to, again, you have to be careful because um, it, it is a very personal thing. Um, and, and uh, you know, I don't want to make anyone feel wrong um, for, um, having certain kind of, uh, you know, partner preferences. And I think you, it's important to realize the information that I share that it could be potentially costing you something big um, at the same time. And also kind of like the, the approach that Coffee Meets Bagel has taken is uh, like, again, without forcing, but trying to incorporate more exposure to the type of people they might not have thought about as their, uh, you know, who should, the quality that they should have um, as a potential uh, partner. Um, my partner, I mean, that's great. <laughs> um, and so, for example, in our, uh, in our app, we're all about quality and curation. So there is a section called suggested, which is, you know, it, it, whatever preferences you tell us and whatever we think is good for you, like those people are going to show up there. But we also have a section called discover where the, uh, these people, the type of people we service is a lot broader than what you actually have told us. Um, and based on things that we think could be potentially good for you. And now, of course, again, like we can't force you to choose those people, 
but at least you're getting exposed. And sometimes, you know, when you're not like, let's say you didn't really like anyone that we suggested, well, a lot of people go on to discover and start browsing, right? And um, I was going, I was trying to get the statistics ahead of this talk, but I actually couldn't get hold of my data scientist, so I couldn't. But a lot of connections actually happen through discover um, section, and so a lot of people uh, end up choosing other, you know, bagels as we call it, bagels who basically they didn't really say that's what they wanted, but when they saw them, they chose they they chose to like them, and. Um, you know, just anecdotally, I personally know so many people who actually end up being in a really great relationship through those choices. And so I think just finding a way to expose uh, people to different kinds of groups, I think is really important. Yeah, that discover feature allows you to kind of balance creating the curated experience that they want and the personalization, but also, hey, here's some people that we think you would like, and that kind of opens the doors to inclusion a little bit. That's great. Mm-hmm. Also, congrats to that super cute baby uh, <laughs> that scrolled across the screen. Um, yeah, <laughs> great job, Darwin. Um, okay, let's zoom out, actually, if you don't mind, um, to one of the most unique things going on right now, which is uh, the pandemic, COVID-19. Um, so, um, Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, as you're aware, there's a heightened hostility toward in the U.S. towards, uh, Asian Americans during this time. So I'm curious, how have you dealt with this situation personally? Um, and as a leader of a dating company, have you seen it kind of, uh, manifest on the app in any way or in dating in general? So we haven't, uh, we actually haven't seen that kind of, uh, I personally haven't experienced it, um, you know, and hopefully I, I, I won't, but I, I know it's kind of out there for, for it's, it's real. And, and we haven't seen it like manifest uh, itself in numbers or what I hear from our customers. Um, and uh, like, you know, it's very unfortunate. I, I This kind of goes back to what we talked about. It's like fear, right? Like whatever, you know, whatever doesn't look like me and, you know, doesn't feel like me, just they, 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 their potential threat. So, um, I think it's just really unfortunate and very important to have discussions like this and also bring awareness to the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, we're all, we're all just fundamentally the same, just human beings, like struggling and going through life, trying to make the best out of it. And, um, you know, I think we tend to focus on what is visually different because we're, we're a very visual, um, uh, animals like just visually it's just like that's what you gravitate towards but again at the end of the day like there are so many as- facets and aspects to all of us as an individual sometimes like you know maybe visually we're in part of underrepresented groups but on, in a lot of other aspects we're not and so um you know hopefully all these conversations will actually uh, bring more awareness to to this truth one thing that we started doing um, at Coffee Talk that I personally feel really passionate about, um, excited about, and not, we, I didn't do this thinking of diversity and inclusion, but actually kind of is becoming that. Um, because of post during COVID, it's really hard to meet somebody physically. Uh, we started, uh, and you know, when you're, when you're a date, like date single and you're, most of us like live on our own, it's especially harder to stay connected with your loved ones and, it could feel really isolating and loneliness exacerbates. So I think it's very important that if you're in that situation, you proactively reach out to meet meet new people or, you know, like stay in touch with your um, existing relationships. Anyway, so we started this thing called Coffee Talk, which is a virtual community hangout space. And so it's not, we didn't want to do a speed dating because it's a little bit like that's a, 
sometimes there's like a lot of pressure to that. And just wanted to provide a venue for people to be able to come on and connect with each other and just talk about what's on top of their mind, whether it's COVID or whether it's something else and be able to help each other and like be a part of a, uh, support each other and know that they have a community that they, they belong to. They're not alone. And so we started doing this. And what I love about this is, um, because it's a new initiative, we didn't actually have a lot of ton of filters. Um, it was just location and similar age groups. Uh, and we put that on because, uh, sometimes what is whatever's on top of your mind is very different. Uh, well, not sometimes, a lot of times based on what by like, you know, life stage you're at. And so, um, and so there's not a lot of filtering. And so like group of people come together to do that. And it's been, and I'm moderating, we have a moderator just for safety and when you help people actually, um, you know, get things going. Sometimes it's, it could feel a little bit awkward to have to start a conversation with like a bunch of people that you don't know. So I'm moderating it myself and it's just been so wonderful to see people just be able to interact outside of being represented in this two-dimensional profile that is so easy to just swipe off. And when you, um, even myself, like somebody kind of comes on, they look certain way. And of course I'm making judgment myself. It's like a snap thing that, you know, again, like it's just, I, it's a human thing. And then they start talking and I'm like, oh, wow, this person is very different than what I expected. Um, And then you realize there's so much depth and uh, dimension to every individual. And I just love being able to expose people to that truth. Um, And of course, you know, a lot of feedback that we get is I want more curation. I, I want more like, so that's still there. Uh, and we also have to evolve with what customers tell us, but it is one aspect that I've, I've learned to enjoy. I, I just really, truly enjoy a lot. Yeah. I've heard CEOs wear a lot of hats. You might be the only CEO who also wears dating moderator. I love interacting with our, our, our users. Yeah. That's got to change the coffee talk dynamic a little bit. Oh, the CEO is here. Like maybe we shouldn't tone down these comments a little bit. Um, I might, I'm going to ask maybe one or two more questions um, if, and then we'll go to the Q and a. So if anyone listening on the live stream has a question, feel free to type it into the box on the right. But um, so it's sort of going away from diversity and just talking about dating in COVID-19. So how do you see the future of dating um, changing, not just during uh, COVID, but also post-COVID? Mm-hmm. I think one thing that's really interesting that has come up, and I'm not, I'm not totally sure how lasting this will be. And I think that will depend on the extent to which we actually have to practice social distancing and quarantine because, you know, even if like government lives like, Hey, you don't have to stay at home, you know, 24 seven anymore. It, you know, a lot of us are going to feel a little bit reluctant to go into a bar or go into whatnot, right. Until the vaccine comes out. And, um, and so depending on how long this lasts, I think it could be a lasting behavioral change or it may not be one thing that is uh, coming up right now is that because we're not able to, meet physically, you're only able to rely on your ability to carry the conversation to build connection. There is no like physical touch or um, you can't hug, kiss or like, I don't know, like, so, so you're only able to you rely on conversation to carry the connection. And what's actually really good about that, um, I mean, it's not good that like, that's, you have to do that hundred percent, but, you know, kind of going back to what I said about love first and foremost having to do with providing you with that emotional security you're learning we're all learning to build that emotional intimacy first and surprisingly um i think 
you know, like because dating, they're the again, we're visual visual animals, and um, physical chemistry is is a very big part of uh, dating, especially in the early you know early stage of dating. That uh, a lot of us has, I think there has been, in my personal point of uh, point of view, overemphasis on this physical chemistry thing, which after it kind of um, dies down you're then left with still having to build up this in, in emotional intimacy, your emotional connection that you didn't actually invest in in the very beginning. And at that time, things may start feeling hollow. Like you thought there was like an intense connection, but it actually wasn't. Um, and then you feel kind of empty and then like the, the relationship starts unraveling um, from there on. And now we're actually having to invest in the building of emotional intimacy first which is primarily the, like the most important thing when it comes to long-term relationship. And so I think the fact that we're having to invest in that, we're actually having to learn how to do that, uh, I think is a really good thing. And I think there, I really am hoping, and this is where um, uh, I really am trying to get confidence people to be more active on like this, this element of education and cultivating good practices for dating. I think I'm hoping that there's going to be more demand for that, more realization of how important that is, um, and so we can all become uh, learn how to, to how to be a great dater, um, and, and so yeah, like we'll see how how. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, let's see how it's a it's a it's a change that I'm hoping that will last. Um, I, I'm not 100 sure if it will. I think it'll depend on the 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 length of this. Um, it, yeah, this COVID thing. Yeah, you heard it here first. The the hi hello uh, chat on dating apps is officially dead. Uh, <laughs> COVID nineteen, you got to be interesting, um, which exactly. is great. Uh, yeah, we got to step up. Um, so many comments coming in, by the way, of people who have met on the app. That's gonna. I be know this is so lovely. <laughs> it's a really cool feeling. Yeah. Um, do you mind if we switch over to some of the Q and A that's come in? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Um, What's the biggest barrier you still face today as a female co-founder slash CEO? Oh, this is an, thank you for asking that because I actually really did want to talk about this. Um, but uh, I, I forgot one of the topics that's really, really important to me. And it's because I, it's still something that, um, that I'm working on and I probably work for the work, something that I have to work on for the rest of my life is the, um, the impact of self-limiting beliefs on your potential. And I think this is a topic important and relevant for everyone, but I think it's especially important for underrepresented groups because there's just so many stereotypes out there that you end up, and when you're young, like you don't actually know what the truth is. And it's very difficult to discern the truth from stories. And I think it's very easy for us because society is, you know, there's a lot of authoritarian, like people seem to know what they're doing and people, whatever. It's like your parents said something, your teacher, uh, and so like, it's very difficult to discern and you end up believing a lot of stories that are not true about yourself and about the world that ends up limiting what you are capable of doing. And so one story that I really love to tell, and, and, you know, I, 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 I tell this because it's such a, it's a big regret that I have in my life. Actually, when I was in college, I wanted to be a computer science major. And so I walk into uh, the, for my first computer science class, and then like I stop myself because I, I I came from all girls school, by the way. Like I went to all girls high school, and then I walk in there, it's like all guys. Um, they all look like they came out of this like hacker movie. They all look like they know what they're doing, right? And th like that's 
we look at media and we kind of formulate, oh, this is this is the truth about the world, right? Yeah. And the only computer scientist, I, I I was not exposed to computer scientists in my real life. And so then I'm thinking like Steve Jobs and, you know, Bill Gates, like those are the only type of people who can actually do computer science. And so then I, I first, I, I stick around, I do it, I get a C. I work really hard, but I got a C. And, you know, what I didn't realize is that everybody else got a C because this is a weed app class and they they wanted to see how, you know, they stick or who's going to stick around. But because of this stereotype that I had about the world and who does computer science, I and I I ended up just concluding, oh, I'm not good at this. Like, I don't think this is for me. Um, I think it's very easy to attribute uh, our, our, the first set of first sign of challenges and discouraging thing to our own identity and then, and then kind of conclude, I, I can't do this, which is what I did. Um, and then of course, like, uh, I, I would never know because I never, I never, like, I just exited myself from that. And from all, all my life experiences, I know that when you work at it, like everyone doesn't matter if you're from minority or not, if you're up to something big and, of course, you're going to encounter challenges. I mean, there are so many challenges that I encounter on a daily basis running Coffee Meets Bagel. And it's very, I think, easy to attribute that to like, oh, because like, I'm not, I'm not good. Uh, well, like, whatever. And so I think it's really important to, and, and like, you know, when you live a certain way for a long time, it takes time to actually un- unwind, unwind that. And so this is something that I've been, um, working on for many, many years now, um, and still work in progress. And so I think this, and you know, there are elements of self-limiting beliefs that you might not think you have it, but you actually have it. And so you have to be really mindful and reflective to be able to discover that and actually work on it because if you're not aware of it, you can't get rid of it. And so I really want, um, all of us, especially those of us who are, you know, in the underrepresented class, um, to be actively be be mindful of this and cultivate it. That's great. Yeah, self fulfilling prophecies don't always exactly. have to exist. It's yeah. it's all mental. Yeah. Um, this is a great question. Uh, typical Googlers, we want the stats. You don't have access to your data <laughs> right now, but maybe even anecdotally, um, you know, what changes in coffee meets bagel usage have you noticed during the shutdown? Oh. Um, are there changes between geographic areas, for example, areas that are sunnier where optimism is higher? I, <laughs> I, I imagine that is correlated, um, uh, rainier. Yeah. That's a very interesting point that I, we did not look at. <laughs> so, so maybe uh, the homework for my data scientists. Yes. It, we were seeing very interesting trends. So, uh, and it's been reported, it's not just confidence, but I think it's dating up across the board. Like the engagement and chat rate has definitely gone up well, because people are staying home more and they, they're, you know, it's a little bit harder to connect with other, whatever existing relationship that you had. So of course you're, you're on the app more chatting more. And so I think, especially in cities like New York and um, where the COVID has been impacted more, we're seeing more increase. So geographically it's different than depending on the severity of the situation. Like interestingly, for example, in Asia, because you know, coffee meets bagel is global, we actually saw something similar early on in the year. And so, like, because the COVID was hit earlier in Asia, like in January and February, we saw the same thing there. But then it kind of just dis- kind of disappeared as things got better, kind of came back in countries like Singapore. And so the severity of and and our ability to connect easily or um I think is definitely impacting engagement level. Our sign up also has been, um, you know, impacted uh, on the, on the, on the negative side. 
And so, of course, like when you're thinking about your health and your job and whatever else, like you're not going to be thinking about entertainment or optional or like making new friends um, or your dating life. And so, uh, like our signups are in the, in the same series where we're seeing the engagement up, like we're also seeing the the signups uh, going in the other direction. Um, so those are some of the trends that I've been seeing. That's really interesting. Um, we have five minutes left and... Uh... <laughs> This is a quick one. Um, do you use your own app to find someone? Well, so I'm with somebody now. So I have a long-term partner, so I don't use it anymore. But I did my two, I did meet my two ex-relationships, uh, ex-boyfriends on Coffee Meets Bagel. And we were together for, you know, for a year and a half each. It was a really great relationship. Um, yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> This is uh, probably our last question, um, and this is something you wanted to do. Actually, you mentioned before the talk, but um, what a date! Like, guess this is dating advice, right? Yeah. Um, many of my friends find it challenging to write their own profile. How are you thinking about helping your users represent and express themselves on your app? So, um, one well, one tip. So, I, I interviewed so many uh, of our users. What are what are the things that um, are uh, uh, that you're looking for when you're actually like going through profile. And, you know, at that point, like I see a lot of people putting so much pressure on like having the perfect profile, but like I'm here to tell you that that is not necessary because at this point, like people are not looking for like the Mr. or Miss perfect at this stage, right? They're pretty, their bar is like all of our bar is not that high because it's just a profile. It's like a very, very, <laughs> very like uh, the beginning stage of dating. Right. So, Really, what they're um, when I ask, like, what are you looking for in a profile? And I'd see them, like, you know, sometimes liking or passing, and I'm like, why do you pass? Why do you like? It boils down to three things. Like, people are generally looking for somebody, and vibe is really important. Like, I, I think it's something that you don't really think about. Like, you're thinking about what, what, but you have to actually, what exactly specific information to put in, but you have to kind of look back and holistically, what vibe am I giving? Well, people are looking for somebody who feels positive. Like, nobody wants to you know, date a Debbie Downer, um, kind, like somebody who feels kind and they're getting these vibes, interpreting these vibes from what you wrote and also what photos that you share. So it's all kind of contributes to that holistic picture. And then someone who, who seems to do, be doing at least one thing that's interesting. So you're not a couch potato. You're not going to be sitting around and doing nothing. And so, uh, just one thing that like you don't have to be listening to like, you know, all the interesting th thing that you do. So something that feels interesting. So that's it. Like positive, kind vibe. And you, you mentioned something that you do that is interesting. Just one thing. That's it really. And, um, and so I think the biggest thing that you could do for yourself is after you kind of write it, look at the pictures and look at the, look at what you wrote and see what kind of vibe it's giving out. And if you can't tell because yourself, Ask your friend, like, what kind of vibe is it is this giving out? Like sometimes, like people just write. For example, like people put on like, uh, <laughs> like you know, uh, shirt like a shirtless photo because they they work out a lot and they think they look good. That's all true. Oh, those aren't good. <laughs> but think about the vibe it's giving out, right? Like it could. It's very easy to think, and you're not there to explain, right? Like we're we're kind of making snap judgment. It could be like, oh, you want to show off. Well, like, think of the vibe it could be giving out to you before you actually decide on what photo or what to say. Um, that I think that would be a really helpful thing to do. And I want to leave people with one last dating tip, if that's okay, generally, if you have time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is, so this, 
I get asked this question a lot. Is how do I actually write something on profile so that I get I can get liked more, um, or like how do I say something so that um, you know somebody would be interested in me? How do I? I don't know, how do I, whatever I do so that they would ask me, I don't know, second day, like I get those questions asked a lot and these are all very important. And when you think about it, it's really all about like, how do I get liked more? How do I be loved? How can I get somebody to love me? I think if we actually shift our conversation, I really want us to shift our conversation a little bit more towards how do we be a better lover? How do we love, how do we be more loving? How do I listen to somebody so that they feel really heard? How do I engage with them so they feel really seen? How do I express how much I really admire them? How do I express how much I really think they're a great person? Like if we actually have the courage to be more loving to other people, um, that whoever you're engaged with, I promise you, your dating life is going to completely transform. Well, thank you, Dawoon, for your time. We really appreciate you taking the time to inspire the audience and for doing your part to eradicate shirtless selfies and the short high <laughs> intro opener. Um, are there any parting thoughts you'd like to share on any of the topics we've discussed? Um, or also, what are the ways the audience can uh, support you and Coffee Meets Bagel? Yes, yes. So if you're if you're a dater out there, if you're single and looking to date and you're interested in, um, you know, long-term relationship and that's what you're looking for, um, you know, I promise you Coffee Meets Bagel is the place you want to be. So please download the app on, on Google Play. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram, like uh, Coffee Meets Bagel. Uh, we share a lot of good dating tips and relationship tips um, so that we can cultivate and help people cultivate that, you know, help them become a better dater. Thank you, Dawon. It was an absolute pleasure. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Okay, great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for making this. I, I think it's a really important topic and I'm really, really um, happy to have talked about it so that we can actually get people to think about it more. I think so too. Thank you again. Thanks for listening. If you have any feedback about this or any other episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can visit g.co slash talks at Google slash podcast feedback to leave your comments. To discover more thought-provoking content, you can always find us online at youtube.com slash talks at Google, on our website, google.com slash talks, or via our Twitter handle, at talks at Google. Talk soon!